Shalom and blessings in the name of the Lord Jesus to everyone around the world in the precious and holy name of the Lord and only Savior Jesus Christ. This is Pastor Dana and I want to thank you once again for joining me for Streams in the Desert Live Internet TV Radio Ministry today, May 24th, 2011, where we look at the headlines of our daily news in light of Bible prophecy. Today's topic is Glenn Beck, or GB, and the White Horse. But before we get started, let us pray. Father God, we just come humbly before your throne, and Lord, I ask that this broadcast be going out at this very moment. It has been a treacherous day and computer problems, and I ask that those who should be in attendance at this moment are. And Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise for it all in the precious and holy name of the Lord and only Savior, Jesus Christ. And we command in the name of Jesus that Satan be bound, Satan get thee behind us, for it is written, He who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. You have no power and authority over any part of our mind, body, heart, soul, spirit, speech, health, finances, family, or anything else. And the work of the Lord will go out. And we command in the name of Jesus Christ that you be bound this very hour, and we plead the bloody Jesus against you. Lord, we just ask it all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. As we begin today's broadcast, I would just like to take some time to welcome and say hello to all of our friends and family watching, watching and listening around the world from places like the UK, Australia, Pakistan, India, the Philippines, Kenya, Cape Town, South Africa, and elsewhere in every corner of the world, as well as Colorado, New Mexico, and South Carolina, from right here in the good old U.S. of A., and if I have left you out and your nation, please drop me a line at Facebook or streamsaz.org so that I can include you on our next broadcast. First of all, I'd like to say thank you for those of you who have checked back and, and uh, joined us in the broadcast today. It's been a very trying day. And uh, it was a lot of computer problems and uh, we're going to get these bugs worked out. And it is only by the grace of the Lord and only Savior Jesus Christ that this broadcast is even going out. Okay, I wonder if I really got you thinking about the title choice for our broadcast today. Even though it is GB and the White Horse, I already kind of gave it away when I said Glenn Beck. Well, last week I told you that I would share uh, more later as to what Mr. GB, Glenn Beck, and the label evangelical mean to me. I will tell you right up front that evangelical will be covered in a, a later broadcast. This one is solely dedicated to Mr. GB and the white horse. Folks, let me warn you, you're really gonna need to fasten your seatbelts for this one because you'll need to think about what I am about to share with you from a spiritual point of view versus a worldly or secular point of view. You also may remember the piece of food for spiritual thought that I left you with from my last broadcast, which was, did you know that contrary to today's popular belief, you cannot rule or save yourself? But as today's program unfolds, you'll soon learn that there are those who believe that man can. 
save himself and rule his own life outside of the plan that the one and only true and living God of heaven, earth, and Israel has laid down in his unadulterated word called the Bible. As we go high profile in this edition of Streams in the Desert Live, there are many things that we will be exposing and expounding upon today. And I assure you that I will indeed, or that it will indeed be a very exciting and interest, interesting broadcast, not that it hasn't been already. But it will be one that you'll soon not forget and want to share with others. And will at the same time want to continue to keep the things that the Lord reveals to you today in the forefront of your mind as you travel through your daily life from this point forward. And this is exactly why Satan, Satan did not want this broadcast to go out. Believe me, folks, when you are going to bring something that is going to expose Satan in a very huge way, he certainly is going to give you a hard time. So praise the Lord, and here we are. We're ready to roll. First, we'll dig in and see just what the lover of the founding fathers, or shall we call them the architects of the Constitutional Republic of America, as it was called in their time of building this nation, Glenn Beck's mission, and what it might be at this point in history. To do that, we'll need to have, we'll need to take a pointed a very pointed look at his professed faith. We know that he's a Mormon, so since he's a Mormon and seems to be radically concerned about there being a constitutional crisis in our nation, if you're a plugged in Christian, this should send up a red flag in your mind and spirit. Why? Because of a few reasons. The first being that the Mormons have a little-known so-called prophecy, or shall we just say prediction, from their founder, Joseph Smith, Jr., that uncannily speaks to everything that it seems that Mr. Beck is so concerned about here in the time that we now find ourselves in. What I am referring to is the Mormon prophecy or shall we say prediction, called the White Horse Prophecy. Yes, folks, it seems that the recounting of this so-called prophecy was resurrected in the year 1999 and talked of, talk of it was published in the November 11, 1999 Salt Lake Tribune in an article titled, Did Hatch Allude to LDS Prophecy? I want to point out November 11th, okay? Number 11 is very important to a certain secret society which is named the Freemasons. Freemasons and the Mormon religion are very close-knit, and you will see exactly what I mean by that as time rolls on in this broadcast. Back to the title, Did Hatch Allude to the LDS Prophecy? The article goes like this. Senator Orrin Hatch 
has denied his Republican presidential campaign is motivated by a longing to fulfill an obscure Mormon myth. But during an interview with a Mormon church-owned radio station this week, he borrowed the exact phrasing of the apocalyptic belief. According to the so-called White Horse Prophecy, the U.S. Constitution will be hanging by a thread and a church elder from Zion. Folks, this is in reference to the LDS Church. Zion in reference to the LDS Church. Yes. Mm -hmm. We'll ride in on a metaphorical white horse and save it. Utah's senior sen senator complained that Democrats' political correctness will be the ruin of the country. They tolerate everything that's bad, and they're intolerant to everything that's good. Religious freedom is going to go down the drain, too, Hatch said. And it never seemed, his quote is, I've never seen it worse than this, where the Constitution literally is hanging by a thread. Right, the radio interviewer, also a Mormon, said Hatch clearly was talking to his folks in the church audience. And he used the phrase, and his use of the phrase rather, was the buzz of the station afterwards. It just caught me by surprise. It was worded carefully, Wright said Wednesday. I'm not sure he saw himself as the one who would fulfill the prophecy, but I thought it walked a very fine line. It's such a well-organized phrase. In July of 1999, Hatch called the Tribune to deny talk among GOP political insiders that he may have felt divinely inspired to seek the presidency. Folks, this so-called White Horse prophecy is no obscure Mormon myth as the Salt Lake Tribune portrayed it. This well-liked prophecy of Joseph Smith's is explained in the Encyclopedia of Mormonism as follows. LDS attachment to, get this folks, the Constitution has been further encouraged by an important oral tradition deriving from a statement attributed to Joseph Smith, according to which the Constitution would be, would hang by a thread and be rescued, if at all, only with the help of the saints. Uh, as we go along, folks, you'll realize that saints here translates to LDS Church. Church President John Taylor seemed to go further when he prophesied, when the people shall have torn the, to shreds the Constitution of the United States, the elders of Israel will be found holding it up to the nations of the earth and proclaiming liberty and equal rights for all men. To defend the principles of the Constitution under circumstances where the iniquity or moral decay of the people has torn it to shreds, 
might well require, check this out folks, wisdom at least equal to that of the men raised up to found it, to found it, the founding fathers of America is what this is in reference to. He continues, in particular, it would require great insight into the relationship between freedom and virtue in a polit political embodiment of moral agency, also taken from the Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia of Mormon, Mormonism, Volume 1, 1992. Folks, just to further document the truthfulness of the matter concerning this little-known LDS prediction, it was once denounced by LDS Apostle Bruce McConkie and President Joseph F. Smith, the sixth president of the LDS Church. However, recent findings have established that Smith did give such a message. An article in the BYU Studies indicates that Smith did give such a discourse and that it was copied down by a faithful Mormon. Since by 1840, there was not yet procedure in the church for systematically reporting all of Joseph Smith's speeches, many of his addresses were never recorded and others were preserved only unofficially in the personal writings of lay members. In addition, the longhand reports recorded at the time were subject to inerrant limitations because of the absence among church members of sufficiently developed shorthand skills to permit verbatim reporting during Joseph Smith's lifetime. This accounts for the existence of some reports of Joseph Smith's speeches that are not referred to in the prophet's history. The Martha Jane Knowlton report of July 1840 is of this genre. The July 1840 context suggests that Joseph Smith's comments about the U.S. Constitution were given not long after he returned from Washington, D.C., where his appeal for redress for the wrongs heaped upon his people in Missouri had fallen upon deaf ears. The address also gives significant insight into the marvelous anticipations and hopes the prophet had for Nauvoo in its beginning phase. But as one looks at the city from a latter or later perspective, it is evident that the prophecies about Nauvoo, like Jackson City, Jackson County before it, were contingent upon human conditions and failings. The discourse as reported by Martha Jane Knowlton is as follows. A few items from a discourse delivered by Joseph Smith, July 19, 1840. We in regards to the Mormon church, shall build the Zion, which according to the LDS is a place dedicated to the righteous or pure in heart and is known to them as the city of Enoch. 
continuing on, it says, We shall build the Zion of the Lord in peace until the servants of the Lord shall begin to lay the foundation of a great and high watchtower. Sound familiar? Someone in another, relig another religion must be very closely uh, related to them. Watchtower? Continuing on, once again, we shall build Zion of the Lord in peace until the servants of the Lord shall begin to lay the foundation of a great and high watchtower. And then shall they begin to say within themselves, what need has my Lord with this tower, seeing this is a time of peace. Then the enemy shall come as a thief in the night. Hmm. Seems like I heard that somewhere before. I've heard the enemy coming as a thief, but I also remember that Jesus will come as a thief in the night, in the rapture. But according to them, in these writings, then the enemy shall come as a thief in the night and scatter the servants abroad. When the seed of these 12 olive trees are scattered abroad, they will wake up the nations of the whole earth. Never heard that story. Even this nation will be on the ver very verge of crumbling to pieces and tumbling to the ground. And when the constitution is upon the brink of ruin, this people, referring to the LDS church folks, will be the staff upon which the nation shall lean and they shall bear the constitution away from the very verge of destruction. Taken from the Historian's Corner BYU Studies, Volume 19, Number 3, pages 391 to 392. Continuing on with an excerpt in reference to the White Horse Prophecy taken from a book titled Words of Joseph Smith, states that Joseph Smith made some remarks upon our condition as a people. Now that also would be at that time concerning the LDS church and upon our future prospects contrasting our present condition with our past trials and persecutions by the hands of our enemies. You know, like getting ran out of town on a rail until you end up in uh, the, uh, in, um, in um, Zion, which is uh, a reference to where they live in Utah. Also, upon the Constitution and government of the United States, stating that the time would come when the Constitution, and now suddenly folks, and the government would hang by a brittle thread and would be really be ready to fall into other hands but this people the latter day saints will step forth and save it now folks that was their words that was their words that was not my words general scott and part of his staff on the american of the american army was present on the occasion i james burgess was present and testified to the above james burgess notebook church archives Ehat and Cook, Words of Joseph Smith, May 6, 1843, note page, one, uh, note page 279. Folks, accounts of this false white horse prophecy from this point on 
continued to be shared by the elite of the LDS Church for the next 159 years. Beginning with Joseph Smith's original statement on July 19, 1840, through the year 2000, excuse me, year 1999, in regard to Senator Orrin Hatch's rekindling of it in his veiled statement at a radio broad, radio station interview, which was probably only caught at that time by the interviewer, who was also Mormon, the radio station crew, and as the interviewer said, the Mormon listening audience. The repeated recitement of the White Horse prophecy has been well recognized has been well recorded by the Mormon Church, never losing the flavor concerning the fact in the minds of Joseph Smith and the minds of all who follow his religion, that it will be the Mormon Church in the latter days that will bring the Constitution and government of America back from the brink of destruction. Retrieving, by way of a phrase that I'm sure you have heard Glenn Beck use, that being the preservation of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Just as an FYI, the Mormon Church is also referred to by church leaders in their speeches regarding the subject of the White Horse Prophecy as they are regarded as Zion, Israel, Latter-day Saints, Saints, and LDS. Moving along, this piece taken from a book called Discourses of Brigham Young, an edited collection of President Young's sermons from the Journal of Discourse. Young asks, how long will it be before the words of the prophet Joseph will be fulfilled? He said, if the Constitution of the United States were saved at all, it must be done by this people. There again, meaning the LDS folks. It will not be many years before these words come to pass, he continues by saying, when the Constitution of the United States, United States hangs as it were upon a single thread, they will have to call for the Mormon elders to save it from utter destruction and they will step forth and do it. The, president, the present Constitution, with a few alterations of a trifling nature, is just as good as we want, and if it is sustained on this land of Joseph, it will be done by us and our posterity. I expect to see the day when the elders of Israel, once again speaking of the LDS Church, will uh, protect and sustain civil and religious liberties and every constitutional right bequeathed to us by our fathers, our founding fathers, and spread these rights abroad in connection with the gospel for the salvation of all nations. I shall see this whether I live or die. Young concludes with Will the Constitution be destroyed? No, it will be held inviolate by this people, and as Joseph Smith said, 
The time will come when the destiny of the nation will hang upon a single thread. At this critical juncture, this people, the Mormon church folks, will step forth and save it from the threatened destruction. It will be so. Taken from the discourses of Brigham Young, page 360 and 61, paragraph 469. Okay, folks, there's just one more rendition of this white horse prophecy being rehearsed. That is something that the people of America who follow Glenn Beck, shall we say religiously, need to, walk, to wake up and think about before they find themselves, as some like to say, on a bridge to nowhere. This warning is taken from the recounting of the White Horse Prophecy of Joseph Smith as delivered by Charles W. Nebley, taken from a conference report dated October 1922, page 40. My brethren and sisters, I hope that we will go home from this conference determined as a great body of people to stand for law, order, righteousness, justice, and peace on earth and goodwill among all men. I believe, as the prophet Joseph has written, that the day would come when there would be so much of disorder of secret combinations taking the law into their own hands trampling upon the constitutional rights and liberties of the people that the Constitution would hang as by a thread. Yes, but it will still hang. And there will be, folks, you need to listen to this. This is what Glenn Beck talks to you about every day. This is what he did on 828. This is the continuation of what he plans on doing in Jerusalem this August. It says that, yes, but it will hang in regards to the Constitution. In other words, it'll hold. And there will be enough of good people, many who may not belong to our church at all. People who have respect for the law and for order and for constitutional rights who will rally around with us. That being the Mormons and save the Constitution. Folks, the Lord God says in his word in Proverbs fourteen twelve that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I say this to you today because the Lord has pointed out to me at various times and the phrase has stuck, has stuck with me that things are not always as they appear. Folks, from this point forward, I want to speak to you in all seriousness. For every good and perfect thing that the Lord God has put in place, Satan has a counterfeit for it. You know as well as I do that America nor the Mormon Church are considered in the eyes or word of the one and only true and living God 
as being spiritual Zion, Jerusalem, Israel, or any of the such. Now that's not to say that the true body of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is called the church, are not prophetically known as the people of Judah, which means people of praise. Because we that are born again into the Spirit of God and are led by the indwelling power, working, and anointing of God's Holy Spirit, and who are Bible believers who through their acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as our one and only Savior because of the work that he and he alone accomplished upon the cross of Calvary through the shedding of his precious and holy blood for the remission of the sins of all mankind and who is the one and only begotten Son of the one and only true and living God and is the only Savior of the world whose name is the name above all names and is the only name by which a person can be saved and his name is Jesus Christ because we are now back to what I was saying. Mr. Beck asks his radio and TV listeners and viewers to come with him, as he likes to say, and to put their faith in self and to stand in the belief that this country was founded by Christians and is a Christian nation. When in reality, my friends and dear fellow Americans, George Washington, the first president of the United States of America, was a free Mason. His Masonic record states that he was initiated November 4th, 1752 in Fredericksburg, in the Fredericksburg Lodge Number 4, Fredericksburg, Virginia. The Freemasons have also made note of it by saying, Brother Washington became worshipful, worshiper, worship, okay folks, Brother Washington became worshipful, worshipful, Satan in the name of Jesus, I command that you be bound this very hour and let this word go out so the people can be warned. I, com I command in the name of Jesus Christ that you be bound hand and foot and that the blood of Jesus is against you. In Jesus' name, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I command it and call it done by all power and authority given to me by the name, the word, and the blood of the one and only true and savior of mankind. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Washington became worshipful master on December 20th, 1788 and was inaugurated president of the United States on April 30th, 1789, thus becoming the first and so far the only brother to be simultaneously president and master of his lodge. Folks, now, this is not to mention the fact that at least 14 other presidents 
and at least nine signers of the Declaration of Independence and at least nine signers of the Constitution and too many to count of other government officials held from the time of George Washington till now have been involved as puppets of or are actually Freemasons, Illuminati, as well as skull and, skull and bones, the Knights Templar, or part of the Bilderberg group. Folks, these are very real. They are, they are secret societies and they are and have had, they are and have had control behind the scenes of this nation called America since its inception. Here's something else to think about. The Masonic murder of Captain William Morgan in 1826 so aroused Americans against Freemasonry that it nearly toppled the organization. In the Masonic book, 10,000 Famous Masons, William Dinslow informs us of the devastation wrought the Brotherhood. The anti-Masonic movement gave rise to the anti-Masonic party. 141 anti-Masonic newspapers in the U.S. and almost killed Freemasonry in America. Too bad they did not take it far enough. And it was done through the revivals of the spirit-filled church during that period of time, folks. That is how this came about. Families, churches, and communities were split. Freemasons by the, thousand, by the thousands publicly disemboweled their membership, memberships Lodges and Grand Lodges were un went underground in New York. Lodges and Grand Lodges went underground in New York. There were 500 lodges. By 1834, there were only 49. Of 50,000 Masons in America, when Morgan was killed, there was only 5,000 by 1834. Many of the 45,000 who had quit the lodge publicly disemboweled their membership, causing 2,000 lodges to close their doors. The remaining lodges went underground. Folks, listen, this is where it becomes very important to you in the here and now. This is not a bunch of mumbo jumbo. This is for real, and you need to pay attention and get your life right with the Lord so that you will be able to walk in the spirit and see the things that are taking place. The remaining lodges went underground to plan a strategy against the church. Not to destroy the church, but to infiltrate it and turn it lukewarm. A century following Morgan's 1826 Masonic murder, 
Freemasonry was ready to weaken the effects of the gospel. In 1926, it gave the order to infiltrate the church in America. Its method was subtle, yet powerful. Attend church, say the right words to sound like a Christian. Take communion, join the church, get elected to a ruling position, then render the church aggressive and effective for Masonic use. As memory of the past faded, Freemasonry bragged of its comeback. Dinslow continued by saying, this was the low point and from there on, recovery was fast and the growth permanent. By 1860, New York had 432 lodges and 25,000 members, 10,000 more than in 1820. In 1861, the year the Civil War began, the nationwide count of Freemasons had grown to, listen to this folks, 200,000 at the time of the Civil, Civil War. During the war, over a hundred military lodges were formed by the end of the war, there were 500,000 Masons throughout America. When the soldiers returned home, they helped with the order's period of rapid growth. By 1900, there were over 800,000 members. As stated in the introduction, and as these statistics prove, war increases Masonic membership because of the mutual protection on both sides. The Masonic book, House Undivided, The Story of Freemasonry and the Civil War, author Alan E. Roberts, confirms that over 300 generals in the Union and Confederate armies were members of the craft, which is a reference to Freemasons, my friend. Plus, an uncountable number of other officers and men, all obligated by Masonic oath to protect each other from harm. Roberts tells of instances in which Masonic Masons wearing blue joined hands in peace and harmony with those clad in gray, while the sound of guns and the din of battle were heard all around them. He relates stories on both sides of the conflict in which captured spies, general, generals, foot soldiers, cavalry, etc., were shown Masonic partiality by releasing them 
when they displayed the grand hailing sign of distress, which is to put your hands up as if you're under arrest, my friends. You can go online and see all of the handshakes and signs that they use uh, in this diabolical entity that rules in America. He continues by saying, had such partiality been displayed between brothers in Christ, it would have been considered an act of treason. It would therefore appear that if all men were Masons, there would be peace on earth. And indeed, Roberts suggests this very idea throughout his book. Subsequent evidence suggests that the Masonic conspiracy to recapture America and render the church impotent had eight phases. Folks, you need to listen up. You need to listen very closely because each one of these has already been implemented. All of which were planned and controlled by the organization or fraternity as we shall document as we progress. Number one, they were to create a civil crisis that will distract the church away from its anti-masonry so that the Freemasonry can rebuild its ranks. As we have seen, it is done. Number two, they were to turn primary and secondary schools, which are presently at their time, under the control of parents into public schools funded by the government and under the control of Freemasonry. Obviously, we live in that world. It is done. Number three, manipulate public school teachers through a union controlled by Freemasonry. Obviously so, that is the order of today. It is done. Number four, infiltrate. Oh, please listen up closely, folks. This is where your alarm should go off and it's time to blow the trumpet. Number five, number four, infiltrate the church with materialism by creating easy credit through central banking, which has happened in our churches of today, both at the church and in the households of those who would have been in church if it was not for all of their toys and materialism that took up all of their time. Number five, and the one that I believe is very important today, is create Masonic controlled mega church association to control mainline denominations. Check, it has well been done and it is an inhabit and it is also inhabited today mainly by the pastorates 
that are now mentioned in number six. Number six, infiltrate the pastorate with infidels. In other words, folks, sound like a Christian, look like a Christian, but you are not a Christian. You are a deceiver. And you have been placed in our mainline churches today to destroy the going out of the true gospel of the one and only Savior of the world, who is Jesus Christ. Number seven, infiltrate the church with Masons. Check. It's done. Mr. Roberts concludes the unfolding of the Freemasonry's plan by saying that they were to also stack the Supreme Court with anti-American Masons who are willing to reinterpret the Constitution so that Christian principles can never be taught in public schools. Folks, with all that said, please be alert and watch what you're getting into. Watch what you're getting involved with concerning the things of this world. I know that some things seem harmless, but in actuality, they are an illusion sent by the workers of darkness under the direction and power of Satan to detour, derail, and destroy your family, your work, your walk with the Lord Jesus, and ultimately, my friend, you, yourself. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, Paul tells us, be ye not equal, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not join their black robe regiments. Do not go on their shows because you're just being mocked when you do unless the Lord sends you there. But for the most part, do not join with them. It's called ecumenicalism or ecumenicalist. And we will be going over that on another broadcast. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness? In other words, those who live right in the Lord and only Savior Jesus Christ with unrighteousness, those who live for their father, Satan. And what communion, or in other words, folks, what unity has light with darkness? And what concord, and the word concord, my friends, means agreement. And what concord or agreement has Christ with Bel, who is Satan? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel, which is, as we all know, an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, 
and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The scripture just shared brings me to my last point, and that is when people who, in my opinion, are double agents and puppets of a secret society or societies invite you to become part of something that is not biblical, such as standing with an unbeliever in things that man has no control over, such as the soon coming fall of America and Israel and the entire world due to their personal and national sins against the Lord God, you should, my friends, make it a point to be so close to the Lord and only Savior, Jesus Christ, that what the Bible says in Romans 16, 17 through 20, where Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Folks, for the Lord God has in his word told us how to live our lives in such a way that when our eternity comes, whenever that is for each one of us, it will be spent in heaven because we were covered by the blood of Jesus. Folks, there's a plan already set down by God from eternity past, and it includes the fact that this present world we now live in will completely crumble financially, politically, and spiritually for those who do not have a personal relationship with the one and only Savior of all mankind, whose name is Jesus Christ. America and Israel will fail, and all the Lord wants us to, America and Israel will fail, folks. And all the Lord wants us to do is to pray for the biblical peace of Jerusalem. That is biblical. It's in the Bible. For he will restore it in the time to come, in the millennial kingdom time, when Jesus Christ will rule and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. The Lord wants us to have a strong personal relationship with his one and only begotten Son, who is the Lord and only Savior, Jesus Christ, and to point others 
in the direction of the Lord Jesus, so they will be ready as well, so that whenever yours and their time comes to leave this present life, you'll be ready to walk the streets of gold with he who is called Jesus, and not forever be separated from heaven, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and all those that you loved in this life, because you have been cast into the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone for all eternity. Let us close in prayer. Father God, this has been a, a very um, astounding day. Uh, many things have taken place. Lord, as Paul said, I do not come to you with the eloquence of man. My words are simple, but they are from you, Lord, and that is what is important to me. I ask, Lord, that you would, by the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit, convey the words perfectly that you have ordained this day to your people all around this world who are listening to this feeble attempt at a broadcast if it were not only for the power and anointing of your spirit upon it that will make sure the job gets done. Lord, I ask that you would build a hedge of protection around our lives in all that is being said and done in these last hours. And I ask that each and every person that has not entered into a personal relationship with you today will fall upon their face and ask the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one and only begotten Son of the one and only true and living God and is the only Savior of mankind to forgive them of their sins, to come into their heart, and to be the Lord, Master, and only Savior of their life, that when their eternity, eternity arrives, they will walk the streets of gold with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, keep this ministry in prayer because the devil is after me. And it will not stop me. And I have been to the mission field. I've handed tracks to uh, freedom fighters with their face covered up, knowing that they had an AK-47 in their very hand. And that they were Muslims and that I was giving them the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. So I am here to tell you that by the power and anointing of God's Holy Spirit, this broadcast will continue. And if you would like to support the work of this ministry for the spiritual food hand fed to you by way of the Holy Spirit, you may give your tax deductible tithes and love offerings on our website, PayPal at www.streamsaz.org. Thank you once again for tuning in today for the Streams in the Desert live internet TV radio ministry broadcast. Folks, feel free to email me at streams at sign streamsaz.org or write to me on the Streams in the Desert Ministries and House Church Facebook I'll be looking forward to receiving your prayer requests, and I'm also very interested in your topic suggestions for upcoming broadcast and how they might be uh, ordained of the Lord and waiting to be broadcast. 
This is Pastor Dana saying shalom and blessings to you all. And until we meet again next Tuesday at hopefully 4 p.m. for Streams in the Desert Live, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Shalom, shalom. Goodbye.